now with the latest from the world of technology. This is the Tech Guide podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 147. Hello and welcome to the podcast that's designed to keep you updated and educated about the latest consumer technology. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading. And if you're a first timer, we're happy to have you on board. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Telstra introduces new mobile shared plans, why the iPhone is gaining ground on Android, and the restaurant that wants to help you take better pictures of your food. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the new Samsung Series 9 SUHD Smart TV, the Garmin Vivo Active Smartwatch, and the Samsung T1 SSD Drive, that, wait for it, smaller than a credit card. And we'll finish it off with the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products. Plenty to talk about, so let's get the show on the road. There is so much movement around mobile phone plans lately. There's been uh, moves to increase the data limits and uh, uh, all, all these de- deals where you're getting better value for your plans. One other aspect we've been noticing lately also are shared plans as well. What that means is that there could be multiple plans on the same account sharing the one pool of data. Telstra, the latest company to join in on the craze with their new Go Mobile shared plans. Now, these are, these are designed for families and for businesses. They allow you to have a couple of base plans, let's call them, and then allow you to then add other plans to that account. So rather than everyone getting their own account with their own bills, with their own own little bit of data that only they can use, now Telstra with the Go Mobile, Go Mobile Casual, and Go Business Mobile plans can allow you to share one big amount of data. Which makes a lot of sense because you think about the, a great example would be a family, for example. So a mother and a father, they may have a, let's say, a $70 Go Mobile casual plan. Now, for that plan, they each get seven, six gigabytes of data per person. So that's 12 altogether. Now, what they can do under Telstra's new service is add additional phones to their plan. Say they've got two kids. The two kids can then pay for, well, the parents will pay for, two $40 unlimited voice, text, and data share SIMs. So they'll all have their own phone numbers, but they'll all pipe back to the one account. Now, in this case, mum and dad with their $70 a month plans, which is 140 bucks, they each have their six gig of data, which adds up to 12. Then you add on the two additional $40 add-on SIMs, that's another $80. So all up, that plan is going to cost $220 per month 
and all sharing the same 12 gig of data across all their devices. So you think about how that would have, how you would have handled that uh, in, in another scenario. Everyone quite possibly could have their own $70 plan. So that's, that, uh, that works out to a lot more per month to the 220 that we, uh, that we mentioned in this example. Now that can be, obviously you can add more, more uh, devices to those plans. You can have a, a larger plan. I think the, the largest plan you can get is the Go Business Mobile $195 a month plan, which comes with 16 gig of data, all the way down to the casual plan that allows you to get $65, $35, sorry, uh, per month, and that comes with 500 megabytes of data. So plenty of options here that Telstra are giving customers, and traditionally they, they are presenting these in their typical small, medium, large, extra large, double extra large plans. So that easily allows you to see the more you pay per month, the more data you're going to receive, of course. Now, those add-on SIMs and all those added extras, the lower price plans come with about $550 to $800 worth of, of uh, call minutes, so value to spend on voice calls, uh, and they increase. Uh, they go to the unlimited calls and texts uh, once you hit, say, around, depending on the plan, about $9,500, uh, and in some in the, on the casual plan, $70 per month, you get unlimited everything, plus your six gig of data. I've, I've laid out all the charts from Telstra on Tech Guide for you to check them out, but we should point out that, obviously, This is something that has already been introduced with Vodafone, also with Optus. And you think about how we are using data nowadays, not only on phones, but also on tablets as well. You can you can add one of those additional devices can be a tablet that allows you then to use that pool of data as well. In in Australia, you can use that data also. So they're trying to make it easier. Telstra once again being a bit more competitive, a little bit more uh, aggressive to get some more customers. But a couple of months ago, we saw that Telstra were offering a lot more data for their for their plan. So trying to match the sort of value that uh, their rivals over at Optus and Vodafone and Virgin would be offering their customers, but Telstra have definitely stepped up to the plate here, trying to offer value, trying to offer convenience, uh, and uh, trying to make it easier for customers to manage one account rather than four or five for the same family. And I should point out that in the example of uh, parents and also allowing their children to have SIM cards on that same account, that does also come with a, a the the ability to use the Telstra Mobile Protect, which is a new service that gives parents the ability to regulate the use of their child's mobile, whether it's the amount of time they spend on it, when they can browse the web, when they can make and receive calls, uh, the sort of websites they're looking at. So that's an, an added bonus if you could, because they're all on the same Telstra account. That is another feature you can take advantage of too. Customers who go for the Go Mobile or Go Business Plans can also will also receive a 12 12-month NRL digital pass or their choice of an AFL live pass. So if they want to enjoy a bit of sport on the go, there's also the option of having a bonus six-month Presto video on demand subscription as well. But Telstra have your best interests at mind here. They're trying to help you get better value and added convenience to your mobile plans. You want to check all of those out, you can see all the pricing and all the plans at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenwick. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. 
Now, I think it's pretty common knowledge that uh, Android is the leading smartphone operating system around the world. And reason for that is because so many companies offer Android as their go-to operating system, their default software. Companies like Samsung, Sony, HTC, LG, uh, Huawei, Alcatel, OneTouch, they're all running the Android operating system from Google. And because of that, the sheer number of devices and companies that are using Android obviously uh, adds up and puts them in front. Uh, but interestingly, Apple's iPhone, which runs their own iOS operating system, is starting to make some ground. Now, we've seen some data released from the Kantar World Panel Comtech uh, just last week, and it is showing signs that the iPhone is definitely gaining ground. A lot of people were, were under the impression that uh, iOS and Android were level pegging. That's not the case. In, in, in most markets, Android is just ahead. In many markets, they're way ahead. Here in Australia, uh, Android does have quite a lead. They're about 52.3% of the market. And Apple, though, has grown year on year here in, in Australia by 5.3%. So year on year brings their average to 38.4% of the market compared to Android's 52.3% of the market. Now, what are the reasons why this growth is occurring? And it's growth we're seeing not just here in Australia, but in the US, in Europe, in China. Uh, they, they were seeing reports of year-on-year growth in markets where Android has either stayed still or dropped dramatically. Now, there are several reasons that have been put forward. Uh, one of the main reasons is since the release of IO, the uh, iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus, which have the largest screens, uh, the 4.7 inch on the, on the 6, 5.5 on the 6 Plus, they've seen a remarkable growth uh, and take-up rate of, uh, of users. And a lot of those users are actually people coming from Android. So it's not just people moving from the old iPhone to the new iPhone, it's actually converters, so people who've left Android behind and have uh, either come back to iPhone or taking it up for the first time. In the US, there's an incredible stat there. The market share of Android does sit at 58.1%, a growth of 0.2% year on year. But interestingly, the Kantar World Panel Comtech report said that 18% of all phones being used in the US today, and you can imagine how many millions that is, of all the phones being used, 18% of them are either an iPhone 6 or an iPhone 6 Plus. Another interesting fact is that 65% of the iPhones install the iPhone install base in the US are iPhone 5 or newer. So there are not a lot of old iPhones left in the US. The bulk of the market is iPhone 5 and above, which you, when you think about it, uh, with Apple Watch's launch recently, Apple Watch only works with iPhone 5 and above. So Apple must be very happy to hear the fact that there are so many potential customers here with iPhone 5 and above. Uh, in Europe's five largest countries, we're talking Great Britain, Germany, France, Italy, and Spain, iOS reached a 20.3 market market share. Uh, but 32.4% of Apple's new customers have come from Android. Uh, 
So Android, again, uh, had a little bit of a drop, 3.1% drop to 68.4%. So still a very healthy market share by Android, but iOS are catching up, and iOS's market share in Europe increased by 1.8%, and that is in the year to March. So year on year from March uh, 2014 to March 2015. China, though, is a real story there for iOS. iOS rose by 26.1%, up from 17.9%, just a year ago. And in fact, the sales of iPhone in China, and you've got to remember the size of the Chinese market, we're talking billions of people that live there. Uh, the, the amount of phones, the sort of the, the, the sales volume being generated just in China is actually greater than the sales volume that Apple has in the US. So you can obviously see what a massive market China is as well. So great news there for iOS, and Apple must be happy as well. You want to read all those stats and also take a look at the interactive Kantar World Panel Report. There is a map that lets you click on different uh, cities and and regions around the world to see that actual breakdown of the smartphone uh, operating system market share. You can find that at techguide.com.au. Now, are you one of those people who likes to photograph their food? It's okay. You're among friends. You can own up now. There are a lot of people, and I'm sure many of you listening right now will have seen pictures on Instagram from your friends, on Facebook, of pictures of meals, uh, either obviously before they start eating the meal, uh, and people that have taken these photographs to share on social media. Are you one of these people, or are you one of these people who've seen these on your feed? Are you a foodie? Or, or not. There are a lot of people who do love taking pictures that is quite obvious, so much so that a restaurant in Tel Aviv, Katit, it's called, in Tel Aviv, has created an experience to allow patrons to take even better photos of their food. So they're encouraging the practice, obviously, and we, we've got to point out that, that, that Katit is a very exclusive restaurant in Tel Aviv where the food is more like a work of art uh, than a big meal. So it, it is very arty. So uh, obviously a lot of people will enjoy taking photos and sharing uh, their meals on social media. So what Katit has done, though, is made that experience even easier. So you go to the restaurant and you can, you can book in this experience that will allow you to take even better photos of your food. And the first way you can do that is with the help of professional food photographers. So you're there eating your meal, your meal comes out, the photographers then give you tips on how to to, to use the right lighting to take better pictures of the food so that it actually looks okay to share on social media. But they've taken it even a step further and even introduced special plates to create an even better photograph. Now, you need to take a look at these images on Tech Guide. There are two different types of plates they've got at the restaurant. The first is called the limbo. Now, the limbo looks like, uh, I can probably describe it as more looking more like the scoop of a, of a shovel. So that the, the food is placed on the bottom front, uh, bottom flat portion of the plate. The back of the plate actually, the back edge of the plate actually rises up. Uh, the lip goes uh, quite high to form a backdrop. 
so that you can actually give your food a backdrop rather than it having a, a random backdrop, maybe other people and, and, and other random objects in the background. The limbo plate actually creates this lovely backdrop. There is even a slot at the front of the plate that will allow you to rest and position your smartphone to take that photo of your food. This is serious. I'm being serious here. You can see these pictures on my on my story on Tech Guide. There is another plate there. It's even better. It's called the 360. Now, this is actually a rotating plate. And at the front of this plate is a small smartphone stand that allows you to shoot a 360-degree video of your meal. So the plate actually rotates automatically. Your phone is positioned in the stand in front of the plate. You just simply hit record and the, and the, the plate rotates slowly and you can get a three, another lovely 360-degree video of your meal. Like a car on a turntable at a motor show. Have you seen that where the car turns around for everyone to observe? Well, the same thing can happen to your meal. If you want to travel over to Tel Aviv, if you want to go to, to Cadet Restaurant, you, can, you too can do that as well. Now, it doesn't come cheap. It costs about $190 an hour, but customers from all indications are more than willing to pay the money to photograph their food and share it online like a true professional. There are restaurants, though, that really take the opposite view. I should point out that there are some restaurants that actually discourage the practice because a lot of them are uncomfortable with the fact that people are taking photos with a smartphone in a dark room and doesn't really do the food justice. Others even go so far as offering a discount to customers who don't take their phone into the restaurant. So what, what they want customers to do is to actually enjoy the food, enjoy the ambience, enjoy their, the company, enjoy the whole experience. Rather than there, people there sitting there taking photos of their food, texting, looking at the phone, not talking to each other, not enjoying the food. Uh, they would rather you check in your phone at the front door and, in fact, offer a discount if you volunteered to do that. So there are two extremes we're talking about here. I've written about all of that on Tech Guide. You can check out those photos of those plates, too, from the Catet restaurant in Tel Aviv. If you're a foodie, that is the story you need to read at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand, and they are the company behind Arlo. Arlo is the only 100% wire-free, high-definition smart home security camera. There's no need for a power outlet near the camera, which means there are no ugly cords that you have to, and you have the freedom to place your cameras wherever you like. Arlo security cameras have built-in night vision as well, so you can see what's happening at any time. And they can be placed inside or out because, yes, you guessed it, the Arlo cameras are also weatherproof. Users can enjoy amazingly sharp 720p live video and receive a notification if anything moves thanks to the motion detection alerts. So whether you want to check in to make sure the kids are home safe, the baby's still sleeping, the courier's dropped off that package, or if your holiday home or small business is secure, Arlo can give you peace of mind. And it's all from the palm of your hand with the free Arlo app. A click or two is all you need to install it, and a click or two is all you ever need to check in. Check out the new 100% wire-free smart home cameras from Netgear at arlo.com forward slash au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. 
Well, Samsung has just released its 2015 range of smart TVs. Now, they're not just Ultra HD TV. They are S-Ultra UHD. So it's S-U-H-D. What the S stands for, nobody really knows. But we know that UHD stands for Ultra High Definition, also known as 4K. But S is the new standard they've set. So S is an enhanced Ultra High Definition. Now, it's it uh, doesn't offer more pixels or higher resolution. It just offers a better pixel experience. So there is some secret sauce in there called nano crystals that provide better picture quality, better color, and better black levels. Now, the TV that we reviewed was the 65-inch curved Series 9 JS9500 SUHD TV. Yes, it's a mouthful, but boy, is it a brilliant TV. Samsung, the market leader in televisions, really has a challenge for itself here to try to improve on the product from the year before. Now, Samsung have been making great televisions for years, but what we've seen are incremental improvements to the picture quality, some major different uh, changes and design choices uh, for the look of the TV, but it's not until now, with the introduction of SUHD, that I think we've seen a significant improvement in the picture quality, and it's all due to the nano crystal technology. Now, on the design side, let's talk about that. The TV is curved. It's got a very subtle curve. Uh, it's got a su- such a narrow bezel that it, you, it almost fades into the background. It is, it's got a very minimalist design, something that Samsung says was inspired by modern architecture. So really minimalist. The stand actually makes, look, makes it look like that the screen is defying gravity, like it's floating on air. Uh, it does look like a great TV, but at the end of the day, it does just get out of the way of the picture quality it's not it's not such that it uh, takes the focus of the screen itself because let's face it that's why i buy a tv not to look at the frame but to look at the picture speaking of which picture quality is excellent on this tv and it's all due to that na- that nano crystal technology now it takes existing led technology and with this nano crystal layer it allows for better color reproduction. So what you're getting is not only sharper, uh, more accurate, but also more vivid color at the same time. I think compared to their regular LED TV, the difference is quite noticeable. The other benefit of Nano Crystal, along with uh, the addition of their of some new technology that allows for better black levels, better contrast as well. You'll see, uh, and that technology is called Precision Black Pro and Peak Illuminator. So what that means is that the screen has the ability, on top of having the nano crystals, the screen has the ability to lighten and darken various parts of the screen in real time so that you get better black levels and better detail in those black levels as well. LED TV has always been behind uh, other technologies like plasma, for example. LED blacks have tended to be a little bit smoky, not quite black as you can get. The other competitor for uh, for, uh, LED at the moment is OLED, organic light emitting diode, which creates absolutely brilliant blacks. But in this case, uh, this LED technology, also known as quantum dot with its use of the nanotechnology, does generate some very impressive black levels. Probably the best I've ever seen on an LED TV, to be honest. And it's not just producing an excellent dark black color. There are other parts of that technology that also allow for, for example, dark scenes. So there's still plenty of detail to be seen in those dark scenes. So it's not just 
black all the way. It does have levels of gradation that allows you to see that detail. Uh, color I've already covered where it is quite realistic and natural. Skin tones are, are, are very good. Uh, viewing different sources, of course, produces different results here. Free-to-air TV, if you're watching standard definition on this 65-inch TV, doesn't do the screen justice at all. In fact, any flaws that you can see on a standard definition screen are simply magnified just because of the size of the display. High definition TV a little bit better, but you've got to remember you're not ever getting 1020, 1080p. You're sometimes getting 576, 720. You're not getting the full full high definition resolution from free to air. You are getting that from Blu-ray. So Blu-ray discs, full 1080p, 1920 by 1080. They looked brilliant on this screen gorgeous picture quality and the reason that it looks so good you got to remember ultra hd is actually four times the resolution of full hd but what's built in here is an upscaling technology that takes that blu-ray that full hd file and draws it up to near 4k ultra high definition quality the upscaling on the tv is excellent it doesn't look as artificial as i've seen on some other tvs uh in the market that have really artificial and sort of cartoony upscaling where it just pumps in a lot of detail without much thought for how it's going to look. Samsung TV, this SUHD TV, uh, doesn't uh, doesn't suffer that. It, it actually does produce a terrific upscale result. Uh, if you're watching Netflix, of course, you can access HD and also Ultra HD content as long as you've got the bandwidth, of course. Uh, it did look Ultra HD streamed through Netflix. It didn't quite, it, it looked like an upscale Blu-ray, uh, which isn't bad quality when you're thinking it's a streaming service. But we also did get to view some native uh, Ultra HD content off a hard drive that was connected to the TV, and this is like full uh, full Ultra HD resolution, which is four times that of HD, and it was so sharp and so detailed, it was breathtaking, the amount of detail on this screen. The pixel count, more than 8 million of them, uh, that, that native, uh, that native uh, footage from that hard drive, that native content was using every single one of them, and it looked amazing. Uh, on the performance side, there is an octa-core processor on board, so the TV starts up real quickly, uh, navigates really fast. There's the new Tizen operating system as well, so it really simplifies the process where you can navigate, set up the TV. It does make it really, really easy. One downside of the TV, sound I thought was a little thin. I thought the same of last year's model. Uh, they've put so much time into the picture quality and the design. Uh, unfortunately, not as much time into the into the speakers. Uh, they do sound okay, but when you're considering this TV costs $9,999, you shouldn't have to buy a sound bar to make this sound uh, even better. Uh, unfortunately, that's probably the downside. There are sound bars, of course, that you can buy curved sound bars even, so uh, you can take advantage of the curved shape of the TV. And the curved sound bar sounds fantastic, but it costs $1,699 to sound that good. For $9,999, $9, I, I thought this TV should sound better than it did. Anyway, that is my review. You want to read the full review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. 
Now, we've talked a lot about smart watches lately, and I thought I'd talk about one from Garmin. Now, Garmin is a company who's been making watches for quite some time. Now, since the introduction of the Apple Watch and since Apple announced plans of announcing their uh, releasing the Apple Watch, the smartphone, the smart watch market, I should say, has had uh, quite a lot of attention. Uh, Garmin, as I said, have been making watches for years, and not just any old watch, uh, GPS watches, sports watches, and now they've made a sports watch that's also a smart watch. And that's the Garmin Vivo Active. Now, this is a device that's designed for the active user, hence the name Vivo Active. It has built-in apps. So if you're running, uh, if you're swimming, if you're playing golf, it does have these apps that can help you track that activity uh, and, and, and compile it in the Garmin Connect app on your Android or iPhone uh, as well. Uh, now, this is a device that is fully waterproof. Uh, it doesn't have a heart rate monitor. I think that was, that's well, probably one downside there. It, it can link with a heart rate monitor. So you wear one around your chest. It can link via Bluetooth to that heart rate monitor. Uh, it is waterproof, unlike the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch is not waterproof. So you can take this swimming. There is a swimming app, as I mentioned, that can count your strokes, uh, can calculate the distance you've traveled. There is GPS on board, so you can track your run as well. That's one other feature that the Apple Watch does not have on its own. It can only use GPS through the Apple Watch if it's paired to, if you're carrying your iPhone with with you on your run as well. It's got a 1.4 inch touchscreen, uh, and it's only eight millimeters thick. It's quite thin and light, so you're not gonna. Don't think this is a big, fat, chunky smartwatch. This is actually quite a thin, uh, svelte watch. It looks actually quite good on your wrist, and it's very comfortable to wear. Can be on your wrist for hours. Another plus for this device is the battery life. Battery can last up to three weeks if you're not using the GPS very much, or if at all. Uh, if you are using GPS, you probably get 10 hours of use. So if you're, you're using it for half an hour a day, then use work that out with your general usage, then uh, you're going to see slight reduction in the battery life. If you're not using GPS very much, you're going to get at least a couple of weeks, up to three if you're not using it at all. The Garmin Vivo Active is part smartwatch as well, can link with an iPhone or an Android. So there is no, uh, there's an, it's got its own operating system, so it's not reliant on having being connected to an Android phone or an iPhone. It can handle both. So you can push through things like your uh, emails, messages, when you're receiving a call, Facebook and Twitter notifications, things like that. So at the glance down at your wrist, it, you can see what's going on. The Garmin Connect app too is excellent, can be viewed on a phone, can also be viewed on your computer, on a web browser. So you can track all your activities, your runs, your walks, your swims, your golf rounds, all within the same place. The Garmin Vivo Active, it's priced at $339. It's the smartwatch for active users. You can read my complete review at techguide.com.au. Now, we're going to be talking about another Samsung product today, and this is a product with a difference. So Samsung is a company we normally associate with smart TVs, smartphones, uh, and other devices, audio devices, and various other things. Well, they've just released a new SSD drive, which is a solid-state drive, the T1. Now, this is a portable drive that allows you to carry around your data with you. It's available in three capacities. That's 250 gig. 500 gig and 1 
terabyte. Now, the amazing thing about this product is the size. It's a portable drive, I told you. So when you when you think of portable, there are others on the, on the market that are about, uh, you know, about the size of a paperback book, uh, maybe slightly smaller. But in this case, the Samsung T1 is smaller than a credit card. Not thinner than a credit card, but actually smaller, shorter, narrower uh, than a credit card. It weighs just 30 grams. In fact, when I picked it up for the first time, I thought this can't be the real drive. There has to be this must be the dummy version and the real one which must weigh a lot more because there's a drive inside. Well, it was the actual drive and the reason it didn't weigh so much is because it's an SSD drive. Now that is a solid state drive as distinct from a hard drive. A traditional hard drive has is more a mechanical device with a, a platter that spins at high speed, a needle that sweeps across the top to read your data. That mechanical type of drive, the hard drive, uh, is susceptible to failure. If you drop it, if you bump it, uh, it can fail and you could lose your data that you've stored. Now, in this case, the SSD drive has no moving parts. So it's very, very efficient. Uh, it, it's, it's also very, very fast. So accessing your data on board is really, really quick. And because there are no moving parts, there's no risk of you breaking it, anything da- being damaged if it's moved or dropped or carried around. Uh, and another reason why uh, Samsung went for that kind of technology. SSD drive, much smaller, much lighter, uh, and also allows for those capacities. Now, uh, it is compatible with Windows and Mac computers. So if you've got a Mac, uh, it does come with its own cable. It's USB 3 connection, so it's quite fast. It can transfer up to 450 mega gigabytes per second. In a test that we saw, there was a, a more than 100 gigabytes of data copied from a PC to the T1 drive, took about five minutes. Normally, that would take up to 20 minutes to half an hour. This did it in just over five minutes. So this kind of storage, this kind of ability, it's ideal for your photographers, videographers, graphic designers, people who are working with large amounts of data, large files, who want the convenience of being able to carry them around with them, literally in your pocket. As I said, it's smaller than a credit card and only 30 grams so it's quite light easy to carry around and uh is is real an interesting product from samsung really nicely designed too it's got a really sleek design uh it's got laser etched name and pattern on the sides uh and is quite a nice little product to, to carry around if you do have to if you do have to carry all your data with you uh and speaking of carrying it with you some people may be concerned about security if if you lose it if it gets in the wrong hands there is built in security it's got 256 bit encryption uh and you can secure all of your data with a single part Password. Three capacities available, 250 gig is $269, 500 gig is $429, all the way up to a terabyte, that's a 1,000 gigabytes, for $799. The SSD T1 portable drive is available now from Harvey Norman and other retailers, and if you want to read my review and see some pictures, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Tech now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Now, one question that I've been asked quite a bit, uh, especially since the introduction of services like Stan and Presto and Netflix, uh, and just people in general, is the amount of data that we are using. Like, for example, how much data do I use if I want to watch a movie? How much data is listening to digital radio on my phone? Uh, How much data is a song? Uh, A lot of people don't understand the concept of data. A lot of people think that they've got a couple of gigabytes of data that that will get them through. Well, I 
I thought I would point out to you just how much data is required when you're using these streaming services, whether you're at home, whether you're on your phone. Uh, people need to understand what doing and downloading and streaming certain bits of data like songs and content, how much data that's actually going to use. So for example, if you're streaming a music track on Spotify, that's about five megabytes. So it's a three, four minute song. You're looking at five megs. So if you're listening to 10 of those an hour, you think you're looking at 50 megabytes of data. What about if you're watching mobile TV? If you're streaming TV, not not using a tuner, but through uh, the network, an hour of TV on the go is about 300 meg that you're using. YouTube, you're watching four-minute YouTube clip, is normally about 11 meg. Uh, moving up to radio streaming, a lot of people like to use TuneIn Radio, a lot of these digital radio services, internet radio, 10 minutes uh, equates to about 15 megabytes of data. So if you're listening to an hour, uh, it's six times, that's about 90 meg that you're looking at there. Uh, so uh, if you're looking at uh, e- even emails, 100 e- uh, emails, text, mainly text emails sent and received, that can add up to two and a half meg of data. Uh, using Google Maps for 10 minutes is about six meg. And watching Netflix, downloading movies, watching movies on the go, depending on whether you're watching standard definition or high definition, uh, standard definition movie uh, lasts about, in, in about an hour, you'll use about a gigabyte. If you're looking at high definition, streaming high def, you're looking at more like three gigabytes of data. Uh, so if you're watching a movie, say Netflix, for an hour, you're probably using a gigabyte of data. So things to keep in mind because there are we do have data allowances both on our phones and at home, but hopefully that can provide you with a little bit of a guide to stay within your data allowance to make sure you're not going over the top and to know exactly what you're doing depending on what sort of content you're viewing. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that's the end of our show for another week. You can read everything we've talked about here at techguide.com.au and we'd love for you to get in touch with us. Our email is info at techguide.com.au. A special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. If you want to stay connected, the answer is Netgear. Thanks for listening. Been great having you with us once again. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.